The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do the people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe for this Wednesday, the 3rd of May in London. Coming up today... More than a regional problem, smaller US lenders see values tumble as volatility halts trading. Risk off, Morgan Stanley and UBS say bonds are the safe bet right now. One and done, is the Fed about to end its hiking cycle? Phone a fraud, Dyson's AI investments and AB InBev's hold my beer moment. Those are the stories we're looking at in today's papers. I'm James Wilcock. Plus, Carl Icahn gets hit by Hindenburg. The short seller report leads to a $10 billion drop in the investor's net worth. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The business news you need to start your day in just one 15-minute podcast on Apple, Spotify, the Bloomberg Business app and everywhere you get your podcasts. Good morning, I'm Stephen Carroll. And I'm Caroline Hepke. Here are the stories that we're following today. Let's start in the United States. Fears over the stability of the US banking system have been reignited after trading was halted in multiple regional lenders. Just a day after Wall Street breathed a sigh of relief over the rescue of First Republic, volatility halted trading in PacWest Bancorp and Western Alliance Bancorp. Both lenders saw their share price drop by at least 15%. PGM CEO David Hunt says we're only starting to feel the fallout of the banking crisis. We are actually just starting on the implications of of, of the banking crisis that um, we are now going to see uh, a increased regulation uh, of banks, in particular focused on the regional banks, as you mentioned. Yeah. Um, we're also going to see the result of that being a pullback in credit, which will help, of course, non-bank lenders. And we're going to see more bank consolidation. Well, that was the PGM CEO, David Hunt, speaking there. His comments reflect a growing concern in the industry that the recent turmoil in the banking sector is yet to run its course. Well, a plunge in regional bank stocks will weigh on the Fed when they announce their latest rate decision later today. The US central bank is expected to deliver a 25 basis point interest rate increase, but signal a pause in its aggressive hiking campaign. However, former Fed Bank of Dallas President Robert Kaplan has told Bloomberg he believes that that is the wrong move. I would prefer to do a, a what's called the hawkish pause, not raise, but signal that we're in a tightening uh, stance because I actually think the banking situation 
may well be more serious than we currently understand it. Kaplan is not likely to get his wish, though, with markets fully pricing in a quarter-point hike. The decision will be released at 7pm London time today, followed 30 minutes later by Chair Jerome Powell's press conference. UBS and Morgan Stanley say that while the debt market is priced in the risk of a recession, the stock market hasn't. Analysts at both banks argue that higher rated bonds are a better hedge against a recession than stocks, which they say are still relying on the Fed navigating a soft landing. Hartmut Issel, head of APAC Equity and Credit at UBS Global Wealth Management, says the bank now has raised bonds to its most preferred asset class and lowered equities to their least preferred. The French bank BNP Paribas has reported a jump in fixed income trading up by 9% to 1.91 billion euros in the first quarter. The bank's global banking division, which houses its capital markets and advisory businesses, also saw revenue jump by 16%, helped by higher interest rates. That uh, allowed it to offset declines in equities trading. The bank completed the disposal of its Bank of the West subsidiary, which also helped to lift net income by by almost 3 billion euros in the quarter, even as costs rose and the end of cheap central bank funding for lenders weighed on revenue. UK regulators are proposing significant changes to stock listing rules in a bid to make London more attractive as a trading hub. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts has more. The choice of a New York listing for British tech giant Arm was something of a wake-up call for the city. After a drop-off in London listings, the Financial Conduct Authority now wants to redraw its rules, including removing mandatory shareholder votes on acquisitions. The plans will make it easier for companies also to have two classes of shares, a structure favoured by some entrepreneurs who want to keep control of their companies. The changes are still under consultation as the proposed reforms would shrink investor protections. But the plans do start a wider debate around the risks the UK will take to stimulate growth. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Activist investor Carl Icahn has found himself on the receiving end of some sharp criticism. Hindenburg Research disclosed a short call against Icahn's investment firm and said that it found evidence of inflated valuations for some of its assets. Shares of Icahn Enterprises closed down 20%. Bloomberg calculates that Icahn's fortune sank by $10 billion whilst he dropped from 58th richest person to 119th on Bloomberg's Billionaires Index. In a statement, ICANN called the Hindenburg report self-serving and intended solely to generate profits on Hindenburg's short position. Those are our top stories on the programme this morning. Um, interesting, lo- so much interesting, so many interesting stories on the Bloomberg Terminal this morning. Uh, our t- big take report today looking at Saudi Arabia. Really interesting that as we've seen challenges facing the financial community elsewhere in the world, banking jobs and salaries are surging in Saudi Arabia. And this is part of the pay boom uh, being driven by Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, uh, who is keen to push the financial powerhouse Mm. element of Saudi Arabia. So banks there, also the public investment fund, hiring at a breakneck speed, recruiting staff from abroad, you know, looking to try and push the expansion of the financial sector in Saudi Arabia. So that's a place where salaries are being pushed higher. Yeah, look, Saudi Arabia, not a country known for underpaying, uh, you know, staff that they um, perhaps bring in from abroad. But Riyadh apparently is really the place to be in terms of kind of banking jobs and growth in uh, the financial services. I mean, we were just hearing from um, Nick Candy earlier this week, the big UK property developer, about how, you know, it's the kind of boom um, city, at least the Middle East is the place to be. 
There's also, though, um, a very interesting piece. It's quite serious, but I sort of wanted to talk about it because um, Bloomberg's Shilly Ren has a piece about um, investing in China. Basically, she's saying that uh, it's quite a different picture if you are an overseas investor in China, unless you have um, a huge number of trusted analysts, native Chinese investing in China, says Shilly Ren, from thousands of miles away, is increasingly a losing trade. Why? Because China is becoming more secretive and getting access to information if you're an overseas uh, investor or just even for sort of you know, generalised uh, information that's not kind of politically related is becoming more difficult. So Shirley has a long read about this on the Bloomberg Terminal that I thought was absolutely fascinating how, you know, long-term investors are sort of sitting on the sidelines even though China has reopened. Yeah, definitely something worth reading this morning. Let's turn back though to our top stories around the turmoil in the regional banking sector in the US. Despite the takeover of First Republic by JP Morgan, we saw more pressure on regional banks yesterday. Shares in the likes of West Bancorp plunging by 28% to a record low. Our market supporter Valerie Titel joins us now for more. Valerie, why did this kick off again? What yesterday? an afternoon session yesterday. Risk just took a dive in the afternoon. Uh, some are pointing to the weak jolts data we got around 3 p.m. yesterday. The fact that the debt ceiling X date was moved up to June 1st, another risk off event. And then most importantly, the FDIC and their report that came out on Monday really just gave us little context on deposit insurance and guarantees that they uh, could um, uh, possibly expand. And the reason why that's important is because that would help these regional lenders with their liquidity issues by making their deposit base more stable. Now, regardless of what the culprit was, I think it shows us that the vulnerabilities of these regional lenders are still there, right? The, their exposure to commercial real estate is notable. 80% of the commercial real estate loans are held in small banks in the U.S. Uh, they're underwater on their loan portfolios, most of those being long-term mortgages. Uh, they cannot afford uh, a 5% cost of funding, which is going to be made even worse today when the Fed sends another 25 basis point hike. And they're still suffering with with this deposit base instability. All of these factors really don't change until the Fed actually cuts rates, not just signals they're going to cut rates, but actually cuts rates. And I think that's more and more what the market is getting a hold of, that these regional, these issues with these regional lenders are not going to go away anytime soon. Okay, so if they're not going to go away, how does the turmoil uh, end? I mean, you had multiple um, trading stoppages yesterday. I'm cutting interest rates. That's not for months, potentially. Uh, months or, or maybe a year, yeah. if you believe what the Fed is telling us, right? So uh, a lot of what this can cause is further consolidation of these regional lenders into the big, too big to fail institutions. But if they play from JP Morgan's playbook around First Republic, they're going to sit on the sidelines and wait for the FDIC to put them into receivership and then uh, mop up the, 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 the loan portfolios they want at these auctions and share some of the losses with the government. So I think that precedent that JP Morgan set with First Republic is kind of worrying the rest of the the rest of the market at the moment because that that implies a lot of losses that the FDIC would have to take on if all of these regional lenders do play onto that same playbook and instead of it being a you know very quick SVB collapse we, we are uh, set up for months and months of these banks struggling and then eventually going under what about the broader 
kind of ripples through markets, though, though this wasn't just about regional banks yesterday. We saw big moves elsewhere in markets, too. Most notably, oil took a major dive, down 5%. And that's really telling as mm. the recession trade is here, right? The, not only do these regional banks struggle, but then the, the credit impulse, the credit availability to the U.S. economy falls. And because of that, uh, you know, demand falls, we enter a recession, mm-hmm. you don't need energy anymore. So I, I think that the, the, even the move in commodities, the move in treasuries was really worrying yesterday. And look, the Fed meets today. They're going to get asked about these moves in the market yesterday. And it will be very, very telling the way they handle it. So I'll say this lightly. So even A-Rod, the baseball star, is saying if you've got $100,000, you need to stick it into T-bills. I mean, you know, not, not to dismiss him because he's obviously a long time investor himself and has made a great deal of money but you know everybody's talking about it's bonds not equities yeah yeah and and look that's just going to make uh the deposit base of these regional lenders even more unstable as soon as the fed hikes 25 basis points and that gets effective in the market reflected into these money market funds deposits are going to leave especially those ones that are uninsured now that they seem to get no help from the fdic so the the, the higher the fed hikes and let's say today is their last one hopefully mm. that rate will keep pulling deposits out of the U.S. banking system until they cut, which, if you believe them at their word, is not going to be for a fair few months from now. Okay, Valerie Titel, our market supporter, thank you very much for that. Up next, phone of fraud, Dyson's AI investments and AB InBev's hold my beer moment. The Capital Ideas Podcast now has a new monthly edition hosted by Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin. Investment professionals reveal their best mentors, how they find their next great idea, and a few funny stories. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. American Funds Distributors, Inc. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. Athletes, actors, artists. But what about the people behind the scenes? You know, the ones who make it all happen. The lighting engineers, the sideline photographers, the caterers, they're small business masterminds. And if there's one thing they have in common, it's making their money work harder. That's why they have a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, where they are now earning a generous 5% annual percentage yield. Yes, 5% APY. Making your money work as hard as you do, that's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Success is more than the final destination. It's a path you take one step at a time. It's discipline. It's teamwork. And it's the drive and passion inside of us that comes before all recognition. It's what Stiefel's been doing for over 130 years. Quietly, yet strategically, Stiefel's become one of the fastest-growing wealth management and investment banking firms in the country. Our financial advisors go beyond traditional wealth management to provide clients with direct access to one of the industry's largest equity research franchises and a leading middle market investment bank. Because success is the drive it takes to keep climbing, the passion to keep investing, the best of each of us made better by the best in all of us. And that is where success meets success. Start your journey at Stiefel.com. That's S-T-I-F-E-L.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. 
The Paper Review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. And Bloomberg's James Walcock joins us now for a look through what's in the newspapers. A number of newspapers covering the UK government's new national fraud strategy. What's it about, James? So, Caroline, it's going to be published later today, and there are a range of takeaways. The Times are talking about how cold calling will be banned for all financial products, as they've seen this sort of boom in insurance and cryptocurrency schemes used against elderly people. The government is going to try and stop all kind of promotional calls to anyone sort of from the UK. Reuters take this line of two-thirds of fraud in Britain starts overseas. And what is interesting, that something the FT points out, is... This uh, boost is only 400 people in terms of new police officers, and fraud is 40% of of the amount of crime in the UK to 1% of the police force. So what really is going to be happening here is a big crackdown on telecoms, and ministers are apparently going to announce a voluntary agreement with the tech industry where platforms will be pledging to take a more proactive approach into reducing online fraud. So it's going to be a lot of putting the burden on tech firms to be Mm. interfering with your telecoms. Okay, James, let's go to the Times next and news from Dyson about their £2.75 billion AI investment plan. I never thought I'd think about this, Stephen, but what is the vacuum of the future looking mm. like? And uh, <laughs> Oh, can it do it? Can it know when to clean? No, that's genuinely what they want. Uh, they want to install AI and sort of talk about how your vacuum can tell how dirty your floor would be, talk about the air quality in your room, and then tell you when you might need to vacuum or tell you how dirty your house gets. And they're putting in £2.75 billion into researching this new software. As a sort of marker of that, they had 50 software developers 10 years ago. That's now 600. And what is also fascinating, though, is where they are going. Because if this sort of vacuum in the future is going to be built, well, £100 million, according to the Times, will be in Bristol in Britain. But quite a large amount, the most significant part, will be in Singapore, where Dyson moved the company's headquarters back in 2019, and also where the largest factory is being built in terms of electronic batteries and sort of a big new kind of investment yeah. there. So um, this story is also about how Britain is part of that future, but well, a smaller part. I mean, can I call it a token? you know, versus the huge, I mean, massive, um, there's an image actually on the Bloomberg uh, uh, terminal about the massive warehouse style uh, investment that is going to take place in Singapore where they're going to manufacture all of this stuff. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't get past the idea that my vacuum cleaner will be telling me, judging me essentially (laughs) for not having hoovered more recently enough. Um, It shows you how we take away different parts. It's only judging if you haven't. James. Yeah, well, exactly. And I take that uh, your tone is very pointed. Right, let's go to uh, the Wall Street Journal next, James, covering the fallout from an ad campaign from AB InBev that appears to have gone wrong. Yes, I mean, and this is a fascinating story about how the political sensitivities of marketing at the moment, especially in America. Uh, earlier this year, Bud Light's distributors were optimistic. They planned on increasing their marketing spending fivefold after cutting it during the pandemic. And then there was a backlash after they gave some beers with a face on to Dylan Mulvaney. She's a trans woman with 10 million followers and a billion views on TikTok. Uh, right-wing media such as Fox News picked up the story and encouraged a boycott. Uh, and several Budweiser factories even received bomb threats in response. Now, today, the Wall Street Journal is pointing out that retail store sales fell 21% for Bud Light compared with a year earlier, and rivals jumped 21% to the same amount. Uh, and so now they're detailing how AB and Bev are doing damage control and giving out free cases of Bud Light. Um, but they warn that some of the distributors talking to the Wall Street Journal say that this is a two-sided risk because now, I'm going to use this quote, uh, one distributor told the, the journal, I lost my cowboy bars and now I could lose my gay bars too. 
So it sort of all points this very difficult sensitivity of dealing with these kind of social issues in corporate marketing. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere else you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa devices. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 11.30. I'm Caroline Hepke. And I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow morning for all the news you need to start your day, right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF.